Hey, hi. So before this episode begins, I just want to give a little bit of a warning. Uh, this episode contains adult content. So if you have uh, sensitive sensibilities towards that, then I would suggest passing this episode by. If not, then enjoy the live episode. The first live episode of the Blind Albino Monologues. Steve's writing stories. He's writing more than a few. So come on, lend an ear. He's going to tell them to you. Tell them to you. Something from the brain of Steve Saylor. And good evening, everybody. Hello. Hi. All the friends in the front and all the friends in the back. Welcome to the very first night of the Blind Albino Monologues. Yay! So I'm just here to introduce the show, and then I'm going to get out of your way and introduce the actual storytellers. We have tonight stories of first times and most recent times. We have stories about uh, uh, some discovery, things that have happened in the year and from years past. And four people are going to come up and share with you. It's going to be a great time. And it's all brought to us by the blind albino himself, who's standing back in the back. I'm going to introduce him in a second. His name is Steve Saylor. Just remember that name. But before we get started, this whole show is free. But we are hoping to do more of these. And it takes a not little amount of effort to put this together and get everyone arranged and organized. And if you think that this is value, uh, the Cowboys and Aliens mug is at the back. And you can put whatever you like into it, whatever you think this night is worth to you. Which should be like $5 and $10. We, honestly, we don't want to break a 20, so that would be the easiest. Uh, so without further ado... The blind albino himself, the man who's the reason why we're hearing stories tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Saylor! Hi. Hi. I was, I, I was actually going to pretend that I was, like, when Justin introduced me, I was going to be like, oh, hello, yes, no, it's me, but, and I would be cool like that, but I'm not that cool, uh, nor am I a douchebag, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome out, everyone. Even those who are just listening, trying to watch TV, that's totally fine. Hope you enjoy the show. My name is Steve Saylor, and this is the Blind Albino Monologues. It's time for applause. I have to prompt you guys all night. This is going to be a very long show. That's what I need is applause sign. Yeah, very. Okay. Anyway, um, for those who don't know me, my name is Steve Saylor, and yes, I am a blind albino. Uh, it's, I know, whatever. Uh, it's it's hard to explain the the genetic details of it, but that's the way I've been all my entire life, and I love telling stories. So what this show is about is I have a few of my friends that are gonna be, and myself we're gonna tell some stories that just from our personal lives that are very entertaining. So this is gonna be a storytelling slash comedy stand up show, uh, hosted by me. So. I, I'll introduce the uh, the guests in a, uh, in a few minutes, but I wanted to at least be able to tell uh, a story, and it's 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 a series of a small stories around sort of a theme. I was called by my mom not too long ago, as she does at the worst possible time, and she we were talking, and then she asked just completely out of the blue, "When are you gonna find a wife?" And she's been asking me that for years. I'm 30 years old, and I'm not married, and it, she, for some reason she thinks that's weird. Because I went to high school, and about like when I was like 23, 24, all my friends and pretty much 90% of the high school population were either married and working on their second to third kid. 
So when I would talk to them, I would see them, and they're like, oh, they're starting the families, and I felt like kind of what was wrong. But I, the, the thing is what kind of got me thinking about it was the amount of weddings that people and friends have probably have gone to. I mean, how many have actually gone to a lot of weddings over the past couple of years? A few? How many have actually been in weddings? Okay, so this is very weird. This was very weird. This only happened about a couple of times over the past few years uh, that I have actually been involved in weddings to some capacity. And it, so the phrase always goes, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. That was me. Uh, and so. You look great in the white dress, Steve. Well, you know, I, I always have to watch my figure. But then there's this one wedding that I was at that less, I, I'm debating on whether to be able to, to, like, to, to almost spoil the story. I got to make out at a wedding once. Uh, that's very rare for me. So a, but, a couple of friends from college, they, were, they met in college, or kind of our group of friends. They got together during college, and a few years later, they got married. And they asked me to officiate, well, not officiate, but basically MC the reception again. And I was honored to do it. I love these guys. They're fantastic. And I really wanted to be able to do uh, something special for them, so I did get to MC the whole thing. And this was in, I can't remember the, the name of the place because I got drunk and I forgot. Um, but there, it's this very opulent sort of place in town that's the best place to go to to have any reception. And I was sitting there with the table of my friends from college and we're all having a good time. And then this very scary Russian comes up to me. Like Russian as in like she could have been in part of the Cold War. Uh, that's how scary she was to me. And she's like, you, you're going to stand up on stage now. I'm like, I barely had a drink. She goes, no, you stand up on stage now. We bring drink to you. There was no drinking. I, was, I basically was like, okay, don't want to go in the gulag, so I'm just going to go up on stage now. <laughs> and she did this throughout the entire night. I would, like, they would, as I was sort of speaking and introducing other people throughout the whole t time, she was basically like, uh, she was taking those times to wipe out all the other meals that were happening on all the tables and kind of replace them with others. I was two bites into one of my courses of my meal, and she's like, you go up on stage now. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So I go back to my stage, and I, I finish, I go back to my table. They took my food. There was like nothing left. They, they took my plate. I had two bites. <laughs> what the flying fuck? <laughs> And, but she, like, whatever. So the fi the night finally ends. I'm kind of like, I've, I've had a little bit to drink, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm fe I, like, this is, this is a fun night. I get to spend it with friends, and I get to see my two, one of my, two of my best friends getting married. So this is good. And then the dancing started on the floor. I don't dance. I really don't. I, it, it's embarrassing. Uh, it, it's just, just no. Uh, and I also stand, sit in front of a computer all day. So any endurance I have to dance is very minimal. Uh, but as soon as I got, I got off stage, I was talking to DJ for a minute, just kind of organizing certain songs that are going to play at certain times. I get, I walk down from this on the steps, and then there's this, there's this short little blonde woman. Uh, she has her hair down to her shoulders. A uh, very tight blue dress on, and she's doing come hither looks at me. She's kind of curling her fingers. I'm 
point, like telling me to, to go to her. I'm like, sure, what the hell? Uh, and we so then she's like, she grabs me, and like holds me close to her, and we start dancing. I'm like, all right, this is this is kind of great. Cause she's a little bit older too, so this is like, I feel like this is this is good. Like I I feel even better than I was a few minutes ago. We start we dance for about 45 minutes. And the thing is, I never got her name. I never I I don't know I don't know who she was. And we just were dancing and having a good time. I'm like, okay, that's all right, that's fine. We start talking a little bit. We we finally stop dancing. We go up to the bar and we start talking and she and she is very visibly drunk. So drunk that at one point she's like, "I shouldn't talk to you because you're a priest." <laughs> Uh, excuse me? She says, yeah, you're, you're a priest, and I feel like I'm, like, confessing my soul. I am nowhere even close to being a priest. I don't know where you heard that from. And she goes, okay, shots! <laughs> I'm like, oh, sure, okay, she's paying? Great. Uh, and so, and then, well, like, we kind of separated at one point. I'm just like, I'm just still kind of really, I'm exhausted at this point. I'm just like... Oh man, like what the what the hell just happened? About a few minutes later, she comes up to me, and she goes, um, "I can't find my purse. Uh, there was cigarettes and drug paraphernalia in my purse. Have you seen my purse? I can't find my shoes. Have you seen my shoes?" Um, no, no, crazy lady. Um, I have not seen your purse nor your shoes, and. I then she took off and then she started dancing with other people I was like oh, okay fine whatever she's having a good time I'm having a good time too and it was near the end of the night I am sitting outside kind of waiting for waiting for a cab she comes down and she sits right beside me on the step and then she starts crying like bawling her eyes out and she says she's still to this day I don't really understand what she was saying but she was very incoherent and said, you know, when we were when we were dancing, I, I like I don't really I don't really go to weddings because I don't really feel the love. But when we were dancing, I felt the love and we were together and it felt so right and so good. And I'm just like thinking, a this is awesome and b you're drunk. Um, and then she started making out with me, like just all of a sudden. And I'm again I'm thinking this is awesome and, and you're also drunk. But it was like as I'm here, as we're making out and it's good. There's a bit of French kissing involved, which was awesome. I like that part of it. Uh, at one point, I hear this truck honking as hard as it can. I'm just ignoring it because I'm like, you know, just be in the moment. It's really like this is awesome. Like this is gonna be a great story to tell later on stage in front of a lot of your friends. And so. I'm standing there, and we're still making out, and she, the truck is just honk. She, like, breaks away, and she goes, I'll be there in a fucking minute! And then she just continued to make out. I'm thinking, I am now thinking in my head, A, this is awesome, B, we're making out, and C, you're crazy! And I still don't know her name. I still don't know who she is. And I'm just like, okay, we're, we're, our tongues are in each other. Yay! Uh, and then uh, finally one guy gets out of the truck, comes up towards us, and then she finally breaks free. She goes, fine, I'm fucking going. And then she gets up with no shoes on. She couldn't find her shoes. 
and just walks away and gets in the truck, and I never see her again. I didn't even think that, like, I, I was, and I thought, I, I thought, like, do I add her on Facebook at this point? Do I, like, try to contact her? Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm just thinking, no, she's drunk, whatever. Now, that was six months ago. Two weeks ago, I met up with the groom and the bride, and I, tr I, they never heard, I told them the whole story about what happened, and I could visibly see the bride just start to freak out. Because I described her to her, and she's like so, oh, like she let me finish the story, and I'm like, oh, she, like, I'm like, okay, you're about to have an aneurysm. What is wrong? She goes, I know exactly who it was that you were making out with. I'm like, who? She said, it was my uncle's girlfriend. <laughs> I didn't care because A was awesome, B we made out, and she was a little crazy. So. That was my, that's my wedding story, so thank you. <laughs> all right. Now, as much as I would like to think you guys all came for me, uh, but no, you came for other people as well. So I want to introduce the very, uh, very first special guest for the Blind Albino Monologues. Uh, I should say as well, I'm, we're recording this, and it's going to be up on blindalbino.ca. So uh, you, this, is, this is a podcast, so you can be able to listen to the whole thing afterwards unless some of the guests were like, no, to edit this whole thing out. Uh, but tonight, I met this, I met this girl a couple this, last year, and the very first thing I, I, I remember she showed me was she, she showed me a Kirby tattoo on her elbow that inflates and deflates whenever she bends her elbow. And I was like, you're a person I need to be friends with. So please give a warm welcome to Carrie McGuire. Thanks a lot, Steve. No problem. Let's give another round of applause for him. That was an awesome story you just shared. That was really cool. So yeah, um, I'm actually going to bring it a little back because I am a little bit younger than Steve. Sadly, I have not gotten to the point where all my friends are getting married. Mostly because I don't talk to anyone from high school because they're all shit. Um, <laughs> Let's talk, talk about uh, some high school relationships. Who had some really shitty high school relationships, huh? Uh, everyone, right? No, I'm sorry, I win. I beat all of you at that shit, okay? I, I swear, like my entire time from like 14 to 20, I had a glowing neon sign in front of my head that said like, apply here if you are broke, if you have a like, if you went to jail at one point, if you have a drug problem, that was the kind of thing I was attracting. Um, so probably like the worst one, I probably shouldn't even name him. Uh, let's call him Matthew Shepard. Let's, let's go with that. I'm probably gonna slip up and accidentally say his name at one point, but that's, we're gonna go with that. Um, anyways, I was like on and off again with him for maybe about six years. So all through high school and then like a couple of years afterwards. And you know, it was yeah, the, the classic romance, you know, boy meets girl, boy gets girl really, really high on drugs for the first time in her life. Boy takes advantage of girl and then tries to fake his own death with cancer at one point. <laughs> that was to get out of the Valentine's Day gift. That was really cool. He's fine, though. He's fine. No, he's, he's all good. 
Anyways, um, the last time that I'd seen him was like the year before high school, uh, and he decided I needed to go again to jail again because you know trying to burn down the school the third time didn't work out, so he tried a fourth time. He <laughs> was great. This is great. Uh, so yeah, I, I spent like maybe about two years without seeing him, and I thought it was over. I'm never gonna see that asshole again. Uh, and then I go, oh, to, I was actually, I was a lesbian at the time, hallelujah to that. Uh, but, like, my life was great. I was working for Suicide Girls as a model. I was just chilling. Like, the hardest thing in my life was probably my stripper girlfriend's titties. Uh, <laughs> so I was, thank you. Thank you for the applause. Uh, <laughs> They were great. It was almost like just two porcelain bowls that had like just skin over top. It was wonderful. It was great. Uh, anyway, I was at a house party one time and I'm just like, it's a band friend or something. I can't even remember anymore. But I'm going up the stairs, like my girlfriend's downstairs and I open the door and it's Matthew Shepard. That's what we're calling him, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's Matthew again, and I'm just like, Matt, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, I live here. That was, that was super awkward. He's like, I'm just, I'm gay now, bye. Uh, anyway, it's like, like, obviously it didn't work out because strippers be crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's true, it's true. And like, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not really a big fan of chlamydia, so I, I kind of got tired of that. Uh... No, but anyway, we ended up, like, after that ad, Matthew and I ended up keeping in touch. We, we talked for a little bit. We met up. Um, we had drinks and got drunk again. Uh, and we were just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just be super angry at each other, yell every single insult through our entire tumultuous relationship, and have angry sex because that's the most fun thing in the world, right? Everyone likes angry sex, right? No, it's just me. It's, apparently, it is just me who likes that. Woo! Yeah, there we go. Someone. <laughs> Anyways, we're like, like yelling insults, you know, oh, like, like the fat act that... And I was saying he was an asshole for faking cancer, because that is just wrong. Um, like he was saying that he never loved me at one point, and then he said he loved me like two seconds later, so I was just getting mixed messages or something. Uh, anyways, I'm just, like we're ripping each, off each other's clothes, I have tattoos, he has tattoos, we have not seen each other in a very long time. And I am undoing his pants, and who's played Mortal Kombat here? Yeah, a couple of people, a couple of people. He has the Mortal Kombat font this big, and it says, finish him right above his crotch. <laughs> I, I don't know oh, if anyone else would feel this way, but my lady boner just died, and I told him just to get out. I was like, I can't do this. No, this is not happening. But now that I think back at it, yeah, I should have yelled something like fatality, maybe friendship. Like, it's just, that was just not going to happen ever like it was awful and like a couple of months ago i saw him like walking down the street and he was super cracked out so obviously i dodged a bullet there it was great so one thing i'm actually i'm gonna do some shameful self-promotion here steve i hope you don't mind but um i do have have from my modeling career there is a book cover that i was recently on called bondage basics by Lord Morpheus. Everyone should check it out. My titties are on there. Just 
great. It's lovely. Um, and I no, no one else apparently likes my boobs. Thank you. There we go, some people. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, no, but I got started actually um, in the sort of fetish world of modeling maybe about six years ago. It's been a while. Uh, but when I started, okay, I actually, um, I went to Catholic high school my whole life. And I was in the Rosa Club. And I have a Filipino mom. So, like, it's bad. Like, there is a, whenever you enter a Filipino's home, there is a statue of Mary and Jesus and then the karaoke machine. That's just the way it is. Like, you just can't get around that. <laughs> No, but like the first time I did it, like I was just, I was not sure what I was in for. I was telling people like, yeah, no, it's fine. I, I did Suicide Girls. It's not going to be a big deal. And then they show me a list of fetishes that they're planning on doing for this like segment. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what any of these things are. I need a dictionary or like urban dictionary. Like, what is this? Uh, so I just like put my name down for random things, just hoping that I was like, sure, why not? I, I don't know what this is. I, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but sure, it's fine. Uh, I just, I, I just reiterated to the photographer. I'm like, I am just doing modeling. I am not doing porn. So I was not the person on the fucking machine that day, which was great. That was fun. The girl's eyes like rolled to the back of her head and she started drooling off the side of her face. She was having a good time. <laughs> no, but like the, the one thing that I was really unsure of was uh, this term called figging. I have no idea what that is. Like I was just like, I am so confused. What is going on? And then the, I, I just, I put my name down there, just so you know. <laughs> oh, what is oh, oh, we, we got a question. I want, so, uh, it was the PG-13 version. The PG-13 version? There is no PG-13 version to that, but I, I will. <laughs> Should we educate them? Is that what's about to happen? Oh my god. Okay, so um, not only am I a model, but I actually, I went to chef school, and I'm a sous chef right now, but they were like, you're, you went to chef school, right? They give me a ginger root, and they're like, shape this into a butt plug. I'm like, sure, why not? And there's another girl, um, let's call her... Alicia? I don't know. I'm just making up names now. Uh, but yeah, she was just, she was supposed to be on the receiving end of this. Uh, and she wasn't sure what figging was either until <laughs> she signed up. I'm so sorry. It was fresh ginger. I carved it perfectly. I know, I know how to carve, so I'm good. Um, but yeah, it was... Huh? No, it was just it was just perfectly fresh. But yeah. Was it organic? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I hope so. I It looked it looked like it was very refreshing afterwards, so that was great. But you know what? I made seven hundred dollars off that night, so fuck it. It doesn't even matter. All right, I'm gonna uh, have the host come up now. Thank you very much. It's been nice. I'm Carrie McGuire.
Oh God, I regret asking the, that question now. <laughs> yeah, go figging apparently. That's the moral of this show is that go figging everybody. Uh, two things. A with the finish him. Uh, so I guess you sub zero his dick. That's the only Mortal Kombat joke I know. I'm sorry. Okay, I, that, I know that was cold. Uh, and B. See, normally when I sign up for stuff in high school, it's like drama, sports. Modeling, fetish modeling was not something that I would think that there would, that, I didn't, I didn't see that extracurricular activity. Uh, but thank you, Carrie. No problem. You offered Wow. I warned you. Uh, I know you did. And uh, <laughs> I'm not regretting one single second of it. Uh, so yes, anyway, hi guys. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring up our next, uh, next act here. Because uh, I got no, I got no story. I was thinking, I'm like, is there a story I could sort of like latch on to of that? I'm, I got nothing. You, you killed me. Oh, all right. But anyway, this is this guy. I'm okay. So I first met him about seven months ago. Uh, I had did a birthday like a variety show for my 30th because I figured go big or go home. And I actually recorded a live album out of it. It's right here. It's called uh, Too White for 30. Yet, fuck you, Julian. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's four bucks you want to get it. Actually, I'm very proud of this because it's my debut album and it debuted at number two on iTunes. So I am very happy about that. But back to the show. So I had a bunch of variety acts uh, basically perform. I had a burlesque dancer that was very themed to a Dalek from Doctor Who. Uh, there is video evidence of that. Go to my YouTube channel uh, or 2 for 30com because it's all on there. And I had some uh, some musicians, some amazing musicians uh, that were performing. And then there was a magician. I had not met this magician before, but I was like, fuck yes, a magic act on my birthday. I feel like I'm going to be 10 years old. This is going to be awesome. And this guy, he performed like the magic tricks that I was reserved for demons. Um, he did this thing with razors in his mouth and a string. Uh, that I'm like, uh, I, I, I kept thinking of the Joker. Do you know, want to know how I got these scars? Uh, that's all I can But he, he's an amazing musician. I wanted him definitely for this very first show. So please give a warm one, round of applause to Lucas Stark. Thank you, Fred. No problem. All right. All right. So in like... 20 odd years of performing on stage. This is the first time I've ever both appeared as me and then told stories from my life. So this will be uh, incredibly difficult, but here we go. Um, and actually, I kind of copped out. I built a magic trick into my story. I'm sorry deeply, everyone, but it's what I know. First of all, though, I got to say, I'm really happy to be in a bar that's both got magic symbols all over the walls. I was a white teenager from the suburbs. I know all about the MTG. Uh, and, and right beside it, Turner Classic Movies, which is good because then I don't look out of place, which is convenient because I look like Pee Wee Herman and Vincent Price had a baby. So let's figure this out. Um, all right. I have a business card. Woo! I'm being like most Canadian entertainers. All right. Um, take that for me. There's nothing on it. Good. The Kate Lewis drawings of penises on them. 
Uh, not on this one. Take this for me. All right, what I want you to do is I'm going to stand back over here. You hold it up so that I can't see it. If you want people around you to see it, go ahead. If not, curl up real tight. Make sure nobody sees it. What I want you to do is, did you have like a stuffed animal or a toy from when you were a kid that had a name? Like a blanket or a thing and you gave it like a nickname? How about a pet's name? Sure. All right, good. Um, <laughs> write down your pet's name. Make sure nobody sees it. Good. Ooh, it's raining. I can hear it on the little thingamajig. Okay. Um, it's, it's all distraction. Okay. I'm going to look this way. Here, I'll make eye contact with you in the least creepy way I'm capable of. Uh, it's deliciously creepy. Thank you. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, so what I'm going to get you to do is um, I'll get you to hold onto this. And you just keep that. All right? Um, what? Okay. I, I wrote some notes. I also wrote them in this journal because this is how I keep notes. In a giant, giant Houdini-laden journal because I'm secretly a giant 10-year-old. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, I thought of another one. Uh, Vincent Price in, in TV. I feel I also look slightly like a drug dealer from the 1940s. So I'm going to take both of those things. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm going to tell two stories tonight. Uh, they're both about shows I did in this last year. It has been a big, crazy year. I'm going to put my beer over here and rhyme things near. Anyhow, uh, I don't have any more rhymes. Um, so, I started doing magic tricks when I was... Thank you. You can cheer if you like. Um, I started doing magic tricks when I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, I pretty much couldn't be kept away from large groups of people. Uh, and so they, my parents decided they should probably put something in my hands so that it was less of an imposition on the people I was bothering. So uh, I learned magic tricks real quick. I actually, the first magic trick I ever saw was at Canada's Wonderland. They had that booth there when I was a kid, and I saw a magician there. And they gave you a wooden coin uh, that if you brought to the magic store, they would trade it for a free shitty trick. Um, but. I lived in Peterborough, Ontario, and anything resembling a magic trick was cooler than the shit I was trying to build at home. So we went to the magic store, and I exchanged my wooden token for this color-changing handkerchief that I did in the school talent show, like, immediately afterwards. And the fact that I changed a, uh, you know, monochromatic thing into a rainbow of colors should have been enough hints for everyone, but I still had to explain things to my parents as an adult. Um, so... Uh, I started doing other kids' birthday parties by the time I was like 12, which was strange because I definitely did other kids' birthday parties on the same day as my birthday, which was strange. Um, you know, my mom would drop me off, the other kids would be eating cake, I would make a tape line on the floor and get my box out, and then like perform for the other children for several long stretches. Uh, they were mostly quite kind about it, uh, but then I would go eat my cake by myself near my props while I cleaned up. Aww. It's all right. I, it, believe me, I was having trouble interacting with kids my own age at that point anyhow, so maybe it was for the best that I had like a venue by which to talk to them. Um, as it went on though, uh, by the time I was 16, I was like on the road doing like trucker bars all over Northern Ontario. I built I built. That's the wrong word. I, I saved up enough money to buy a car that was essentially built out of the pieces of other cars. Uh, my father was a mechanic. He, I had a thousand dollars. We got a car and I drove that thing into the ground going to everywhere that would let me perform. 
And frequently it would be like, yeah, come on up to Sudbury. We got a stage for you and an, oh, an excited audience. And I'd show up and there'd be like a crate and a bunch of angry bearded men at a bar and a 16-year-old boy in real flashy clothes trying to win him over. Um, fortunately, uh, I don't know how, but I eventually developed the ability to talk to people. The hypnotism helped, but I try to use it as rarely as possible. Um, Um, also, I, I, this doesn't have anything more connected to it other than just context. I liked, I liked the Smiths, and I liked Robert Smith and the Cure, sure, but I wore suits to school every day. Um, I think kids thought, eventually that became way cooler than it in, I in, had intended it. I just had no idea how to wear boy clothes, and I knew that, like, suits made sense. It was like I could go in there every day. No one noticed that I weighed, like, 80 pounds because... I was inside a thing with shoulder pads. It was gonna be fun. Uh, but even at my school, like, school was having a hard time containing me by this point. I was frequently, like, disrupting classes by creating shows in the hallways. Um, I went to an all-art school in Peterborough, Ontario. I had a dream it was gonna be, like, fame. It was more like, where do we put the kids who can't talk to anyone else? So, I was also the only magician there was actors and musicians or visual artists, and you had to be one of these categories to apply to go to the school, but I just begged the principal until she let me. Uh, that school eventually closed down, but while I was there, there were already two Juno winners in my class. So it was really valuable to have that kind of a niche and be surrounded by people doing their own projects, although mine was widely accepted as the strangest project to have chosen. I actually... I just remembered this too. I, I, we, I won the, uh, the school board's prize for art. I think I won because I was the only non-musical act that applied, but the other musicians were really pissed about it. So uh, then, you know, things were, well, I was probably slightly too ambitious for a 16 year old. I had several businesses going at the time that pretty much nobody noticed that I was super bipolar. Uh, which was troublesome, because during those manic stages, I was essentially Howard Hughes, but during those depressive stages, I was essentially Howard Hughes. Uh, so there was a lot of time spent alone in a room, which was great for magic tricks. I came up with all sorts of crazy and weird things. Um, but there was a stage, a stretch of bad luck. I got stuck in a retail job, because Canadian entertainment's real hard to make it in, because who leaves their house during winter? no one and when you want to do live art that can be difficult so first of all maybe we should all just applaud that we all came here good work everyone good start it's summer that's like it was easier than normal but you still left the comfort of your bed and netflix so way to go um so i it's, there was the retail thing and i i got engaged at 19 uh, <laughs> um I had a lot of self-discovery to do up to that point, and I had not yet done it. But, uh, you know what? I was going to say this for later in the, in the storytelling, but I'll just tell it now, because we already talked about lesbianism and strippers and, and, and that new thing I just learned that I wish I didn't know. Speaking. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, I enjoy the company of both ladies and gentlemen, which is... Uh, th thank you. Thank you. Um... Thank you. Man, could have used you when I was about 13. That would have made a whole lot more sense. It took a long time to figure out this was an option, 
and maybe too many hearts in the way of that. So relationships and me, we just stick far away from each other at this point. Um, the reason it's valuable, though, to know is that this was the year I determined that I was going to be proud of the fact that I got to find beauty in such a range of humanity. Um, I don't want... I don't think everyone's bisexual. I don't know why people think that bisexuals think everyone's bisexual. Maybe they do. I don't, though. We didn't have a meeting, so I haven't asked the rest of them. But uh, And frankly... Well, and actually... Okay, okay, I'm going to move on. All right, I'm going to go on. Coming right back here. Chapter. All right. Um, so, uh, a, this, a few years ago, I started smoking pot. This is, the, okay, the story is not, thank you. It's weird to have that applauded. The point of this story is not to advocate that you smoke pot. It's just, you can imagine that before pot, I was even more tightly wound than this, and it was dangerous for everyone in my presence. So, uh, I started smoking pot. My brother kind of, literally trailblazed. I love that line. He trail <laughs> He wrote it. I don't know what you want from me. But um, <laughs> So he, by the time he was 16, he was done punching holes through walls. He just got high all the time, which for him was necessity because he tried to kill me once with a, like a, a roller blade. So the boy needed help. Um, he was my little brother who was much bigger than me, which is no cakewalk to begin with because when a little boy realizes he can beat up a bigger boy that's kind of strange and all of his friends like it, you get wailed on a whole bunch. So it's cool. I, I, again, I managed to learn how to talk my way out of situation. But I found pot a little while ago. It was great. Um, I started performing again. I quit because there was a, a stretch of bad luck. So there was the engagement. There was the, the retail thing. I also, I learned I was bipolar during this period. I was at school and my teachers were all like, oh my gosh, you should attend classes more because every time you do, you talk and it's awesome. But I was secretly freaking out constantly. Like, you know, I'd sit with an essay and I'd rewrite it 15 times because I thought every essay was the test as to whether I was smart or not. <laughs> and I really needed to know one way or another. Uh, so every essay I poured that intention into. Um, and then, on top of it all, I was just sort of starting to pick myself back up. I was essentially famous once before. I was on national TV in Canada, which is why you've never heard of me. I was also, I was also under a different name. Uh, I was younger and flashier and kind of a douchebag. So it's probably for the best that that collapsed. Um, but then I was starting to rebuild. I was like, I got this. And I, I got a thing called Bell's Palsy, which if you've never heard of, it's probably not surprising like it's pretty rare uh mine was really bad so what happened was i woke up one day and i walked out to like the room of frat boys i was living with which is a whole nother kettle of fish i'm not even going down frat boy road but um <laughs> I, I woke up and i walked out to where they were playing the new street fighter versus something or other um and <laughs> i went am i smiling fine and i just sort of like looked at them like this. Um, I looked like Two-Face, it was great. Uh, and they were like, no, man, you're not. You, uh, there's something real wrong. So I had been sitting on this for almost two days because when you're bipolar and you get in the sand part, sometimes you look in the mirror and you're just like, wow, what a piece of shit you are. Um, you immediately like, you, you know that that's not the case, but that's how the brain feels at that point. So you just kind of like roll with it and you'll learn that people don't feel that way about you. and. There's a whole, like, whole bunch of things you go through learning that. But I just thought, man, I must be feeling like a, a load of garbage because I look like a load of garbage to me. I just look really bad. I must just... 
I wasn't smiling a whole lot at that point anyway, so there was no like real indicator that anything was going on. But I rushed the hospital, and they were like, uh, they thought I had had a stroke, so there were a bunch of people trying to get me to grab their fingers and things, and I'm just going, uh, I just thought I, would, I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, and then they told me I had Bell's palsy, which is like, there's a facial nerve inside your face that when it swells up, it presses against the bone wall that's in your face, and it stops sending signals to the muscles in your face. So just for a while, other than the fact that I looked like the things that would frighten me as a child, um, I was completely fine. Um, which was strange, because I have an invisible thing in my brain, and then I had a visible thing caused by my brain. And everyone was super sweet about the fact that I had a visual thing wrong with my brain. And that made me really aware, where was everyone when I had the invisible thing in my brain? And I was like, can somebody talk to me about this, please? Um, so, things were a little dark, and the problem was, I didn't actually feel that bad, because my moods rarely, like, they have impetuses. If you call me a jerk, I'm going to feel sad. But sometimes I just wake up really, really happy or really, really sad. And, like, there's no real cause for that. And, you know, there were periods in this thing. I was like that for, like, six months. Uh, I went out as Halloween, uh, for Halloween as Two-Face from Batman, though. So I used it to my full advantage. I was really proud of myself that day. Just walking around going, I'm going to get Batman. I was always the Joker. I've cosplayed. It's funny, Steve earlier talked about the razor blade routine I did. I've actually done that razor blade routine in perfect old school comic book Joker cosplay. And people lost their shit. There's a malevolent clown at the front of the room eating razor blades to the song Laughing by the Guess Who. It was beautiful. Um, so... So I, I took a break. I needed a break after that, that stretch of things that weren't quite normal. And my grand, the, side note, this isn't even sad because I love my grandmother, but we had a really funny conversation where she didn't know who I was because of a combination of Alzheimer's disease and a facial thing that I was just, I got to meet her all over again. It was friggin' awesome. That lady is saintly to people she doesn't even know. And I got to experience that totally fresh. So, um, so I started smoking pot, because what else were you going to do? I was on a lot of like meds, especially once the face stuff happened. So there were like 15 pills for the face thing, and there were 15 pills for trying to keep yourself from going crazy. And I was just sleeping like 20-odd hours a day, and my mouth constantly tasted like battery acid. And I went, you know what? I don't even care if the solution to this is that I don't look like this and I don't feel like this. Nothing is worth this. And that's not the truth for everyone, but it was the truth for me. And then I found pot. Thank God, because that, I'm too Irish to drink, it's a bad call. I have one beer every once in a while, but I know there's a tendency in that direction. So, pot was good, and I started doing 420 friendly stand-up, and I'd never done stand-up before, and I haven't, I'd say I haven't told real stories, because usually I can just hide behind a punchline, and if everything goes sour, I'll just do a card trick. So, I've got like two walls of defense, but this is just me talking, so here we are. Um, but, I was doing a 420 friendly show in a theater across town, a big old movie theater that does 420-friendly shows. It's a pretty awesome place. And for, like, mini Vincent Price in my head, I was in a giant old movie hall. And I was just... I, I wrote every second of it. I did some mentalism with a bunch of really stoned people. But the problem is that there, are, there are rules in Toronto. We have accepted a civil answer to a complicated problem at this point, which is we, we allow vapor lounges in this city, but the rule is you can't buy your stuff there. So that, like... The illegal part happens beforehand. You're just using the thing that we've already decriminalized. It'll be real good when we don't have to do any of this garbage, but 
That's civil. That's a civil answer to a complicated problem. We're a modern city. I can't wait till we elect a little via chow and then we can just do it everywhere. But uh, <laughs> let's be honest, that's going to be a bylaw like day two, right? Okay. So I'm at an old theater and uh, the cops walk in because I find out that they've been selling baked goods at this show, which is like big no-no. But two of the best moments of my entire life happen almost consecutively. First, I find out the cops have busted this show by observing a man in full uniform acting as tough as he physically possibly can holding a tray of cupcakes walking to a car. It was, it was so obvious that the whole thing was kind of silly, immediately. And I'm prone to anxiety, so I needed a silly moment. And then, I kind of, okay, my stuff is up by the stage, and now we've got cops everywhere. So my stuff is up there, I'm back here. Um, I, I look to the cop, he notices that I'm dressed slightly differently than the rest of them. Uh, I tend to do that. Uh, I, I open up my bag. I kind of Jedi mind trick him. I maintain eye contact with him like I'm doing with you right now. And the funny thing is I'm not even looking in either of your eyes. I'm looking between them. But doesn't it feel like I, you can't, you know? That's the, whole, that's the whole thing. So I'm looking at the cop. I'm opening my bag. I gesture to my bag, but without breaking eye contact, he returns my gesture, thinks he has looked in my bag, and thus he didn't see the fact that there was a pipe and some other things on top of it. Uh, it was full of magic tricks. He probably wouldn't have noticed just by a camouflage, but I wasn't taking the risk. So uh, I then look at him and go, I'm clearly not organizing this show. I'm just here to perform. I just want to go get my stuff. I'll just get out of here. So I walk up to the front, and he goes, yeah, yeah, go ahead, get your staff, go on. We're not laying any charges, because we don't want to follow these rules either, but here we are. Um, and so I walk up, I grab my straight jacket, which is sitting by the footlights, I immediately assume my position in the middle of the stage and do my routine fucking anyways. <laughs> so I'm in front of a room full of stoners being put into a restraint device while a bunch of cops stand with mag lights shining from the back row of the theater. I have never been more rock star in my entire friggin' life. And I, don't, I know I'm getting close to time, aren't I? I must be getting close. If you guys really want. Oh, wait, hang on. You had a thing, right? Okay. I'm probably not going to nail it because I really wanted a stuffed animal, but I'm guessing... It, was it a dog? It was a cat? Okay. 50-50. All right, good. Um... <laughs> C name? Is it like a ma regular man's name? Like Charles or Char... What was it? Copper. Ah, oh, I got the C part. All right, anyhow. I'm going to try to escape from this straitjacket now, and I might take one more swing at a mental effect, because that, that was, that was, that's the problem with mental effects. They've got about a 60% chance of getting that. So, all right. I have actually brought that exact same prop here tonight. My straight jacket. Um, do you want to help me put it on? Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to move this out of the way. That's right. You take that and start undoing the buckles. I'll take this and start undoing the buttons. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I spend most of my time at burlesque shows now. God, burlesque people are beautiful. How did, like, you combine that much of aestheticism with sex positivity, and you're going to have a good time. There's just no two ways about it. Out of the fact that a little bit of modesty keeps them from getting stripper crazy. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's one step. 
I actually, I wore something special for today, too. Again, I'm not suggesting everyone here start smoking pot. It's not the right answer for everyone, but... It's got a joke on it, too. It says potluck. <laughs> Anyhow, um... Okay. Over the shoulders. Start at the top. Oh, wait. Let's get, let's get that on better, because i got to flip that around me, too. There are a lot of them. Now this straight jacket I have actually owned since I was 16. I have both fitted it and then not fitted it and fit into it once again. So <laughs> congratulations on owning a bike. All right. <laughs> so start at the top there. Do them up as tight as you like. You ever done this before? No. All right. This is the first for me. Yeah. I'm very excited. There's some people in the audience going, it wouldn't have been for me. Yeah. <laughs> During cross. Ooh, I like the covert whisper that laughed. <laughs> Some naughty BDSM action going on in this area. Good work, guys. It happened during potluck. <laughs> okay, she's almost at the bottom. I can feel. Yeah. Boop, boop, do. I never know what to say at this point. I got it? You got it. All right, we'll do this one here. Again, as tight as you want. If you have to twist it or whatever, go for it. Sometimes the thing in the jig is backwards. How's that? Oh, good. Yeah? Oh, good. Oh, that one's good. Oh, yeah. Is never good? had it. Yeah, is sure. I've never had anyone do it so it digs into my back before, but that's fine. Oh, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. Did you see that, that, that right arm thing? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. neat. Learning a new sensation right now. No, it's cool. This will be exciting. It'll be like improv. All right. Uh, got it? We're not done. You Ready? You, you got a catch. Ready? I got a catch. I don't need. Oh. <laughs> Try that again. Ready? I got it. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, you know what I'll do while you guys do that up? On Steve's birthday, he also just found out what time he was born. So I didn't just predict using a large number generator of the audience what date he was born on. I actually put the time up there and he didn't know anyone knew that. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Every once in a while he just gets spoon fed. I still call you a demon. Yep. I'll take it. Just jealous, that's all you are. <laughs> okay now. <laughs> that's that's alright. I'm gonna go from singing Bowie to singing Freddie Mercury by the end of the day. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to, like, broke fist you with my elbow. Oh. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, now you need to get out of the way. I'm Thank you. Okay. I'm going to ruin my hair for you people, so you better fucking enjoy this. Here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We've made of leather by the end of this. <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> Why do I have to say that so often in life? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. Oh, that's, that's actually, 
That's actually not the hard part. They design these things. And as a side note, I love being a bipolar magician that gets put in a straitjacket. How fucking good is a metaphor is that? Anyway, so they make these things. So you can't actually stretch over your shoulder. I liked it by the end of this. I looked like I need to be in it too. <laughs> Buy this girl a drink, please. Wait, what was that? It was a handkerchief, so it's like that. You know what? You are a Batman villain at this point. You do belong in Arkham. Oh, wow. I can't... I, was that... Did you do... You didn't do that on the birthday night, did you? No. That's the first time I've seen you do that. That's... That's scary. And I... I, I, uh, I feel bad for your nuts. <laughs> um, that... Uh, well, okay. So, I mean... Do you mind if I actually tell a story? Because I thought of something that, that, as Lucas was talking. Uh, is that all right? To tell a story? Okay. All right. That's right, it's my show! <laughs> um, okay, so I wished I actually went to an arts high school uh, because I, I started acting uh, on stage when I was like five years old uh, and it was in a church version of A Christmas Carol. Uh, I didn't do Say Any Lines, but I was basically like a little version of Oliver Twist. Uh, it was just a very poor urchin. And, uh, but I always loved acting and I wanted to do it in high school, but the school that I went to was a... It was a Christian public slash private school. It had all the things of a private school, but it was still in the public school system. And I wanted, I wanted to be in the drama like class and the drama department so bad, uh, to the point where I auditioned for every single school play every year, and I never got in uh, because apparently I just I looked too weird for whatever part I applied for, which is fine, whatever. Uh, grade eleven, I actually did uh, perform at in the Wizard of Oz. I was the scarecrow, and the only way I did the only way I won the audition for that was I was the only one who danced. I again I don't dance anymore, but I felt like I just I just if I just flop around on stage it'll be enough to to show that I could do it. Um, but it was that year that they were opening up drama committee head elections, basically student council elections, and I thought you know what what the hell. I'm going to apply as the drama committee head. The thing, so there was this one time, there was basically had a whole school assembly and the people who were nominating themselves as committee heads would have to go up on stage and tell a speech as to why they should basically be the head of whatever. Because I, in my brain, I thought, okay, if I'm applying as the drama committee head, I'm going to do a little skit on stage. So I had one of my friends come up on stage, sit in a chair, and then I go into the back and I take it, like, I, I unbutton my, sh uh, well, I untuck my shirt and I tie it up 
in the front, and I come out pretending I was a very stereotypical gay hairdresser. And I said, hello, how are you today? You know, I heard about this really cool thing at this high school. This really sweet boy. Oh my God, he was so sweet and so sexy. And I'm, as I'm doing this, I'm basically braiding her hair and she looked at me like I had, like I was touching the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I should, uh, base, uh, uh, but the thing is, it, I won by a landslide. Uh, because so I and, and so next year I became a drama committee and I was happy about that. The thing is being in a Christian school all the entire summer I had an idea for the for a play. It was called Inherit the Wind. Has anybody heard of that before? So it was an old movie back in the 1940s, but it was also a <laughs> that hence why Lucas has heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, but it was also a, a, a play as well, and it was about there was this one story in the 1930s about this school science teacher who, in the Bible Belt of the U.S., decided to teach evolution in school, and he got arrested for it, and it became known as famously as the Snoop's Monkey Trial. And I decided, let's do that play at a Christian school. Because that's a thing that I wanted to do. And so I, I, I found this old, like this, this remake TV movie uh, that was, uh, had George C. Scott and Jack Lemmon in the, in the movie. And I sat the entire summer. I was transcribing word for word every single line that they said in the movie so I could use that version of the play. And I had everything, t before school even started, I typed everything out. I had audition sides. I had everything scheduled. Like I was, but the first week I had already scheduled auditions and I was just about to announce at a school assembly for the very first time, basically the cast of what was going to be in this play. The morning of the assembly, I get pulled aside by the principal and he says, um, the PTA has heard about this and they're saying you can't do the play anymore. And that crushed me. And I was I was mad and sad and like I was I was livid to the nth degree and I just like I wanted to argue with them then and there. I'm like, don't argue with a principal. That's the only thing I kept thinking in my head. But yet I was doing it. And I said, but we gotta do. It. I've already got like got auditions and everything. I was about to ask. He says, yeah, no, you can't do it. Five minutes later, I have to go up on stage and basically tell everyone, um, I got nothing. Uh, so, but in my head, I'm basically Serpico, uh, and so I decided to, you know what, we had this play in mind, but the powers that be have said that we can't do it, so I'm going to kick some PTA ass in order to be able to get this play done! And uh, it was basically my Spartacus moment, and I was, I was righteous! It was great! Uh, and then about an hour later, I got pulled into the principal's office. Like, why did you do that? I was actually defending you at one point. So I got suspended. I got suspended for three days, and uh, I and the thing is, when my dad found out, he's like, "It's the only time I ever heard him swear in his his entire life." And he's a he's a pastor, and he basically said, "What the fuck did you do?" <laughs> I was like, I uh, said the word ass on stage. I don't know. And so he had me have to read the Gospels in the Bible five times in a row in the, as well as suspended. So, yeah. 
So eventually we did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as the play that year, which makes, like, zero, like zero sense. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, okay, this last performer we're going to have coming up, I, I only, she basically decided on the story that she's going to tell today, uh, only because if she, it happened to her last night, and I only know just a few of the details about it, so let's just say it deals with apparently a rock star. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I first met, whatever. Uh, I first met her at, uh, <laughs> at our mutual friend Julian's birthday party. Uh, let's just say that there were things that happened that night that I don't think I could even ever tell on stage. Uh, including people I met for the first time that did some, that there were some things done to these people that I, all I gotta say is I'm just glad we're friends now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to say anything because this is being recorded right now. Uh, anyway, so please give a warm welcome to Sam Fraser, everybody. <laughs> glad that you preempted me with a story about the PTA. <laughs> That's not going to make me feel awkward at all. Um, so, uh, hi, I'm Sam. I know a lot of you. Um, Steve asked me here because I actually host a monthly storytelling event called Tell Me Toronto, where we get a bunch of people together to talk about sex. I'm the host, so generally my job is really just to sit down while most people talk. But uh, every now and then I get up and I'm like, blah, 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 ramble. Um, this is going to be a really rambly story because it just happened yesterday. And the original story that I was going to tell you happened in like 1995. So I've been thinking about that one for a while. So the, the story I was going to tell was um, about the time I sucked the first dick. Now I'm... <laughs> First ever on the planet. Um, ever. I'm surprised it's not in the encyclopedias because it was a big moment in history. Um, and the story I'm going to tell you, though, is about the time I sucked the last. Well, not the last ever. Don't worry, guys. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. I, I, I worded that wrong. The last time I did. Most recent. Right. Um, so this story involves someone that you probably all know, and some of you in the room already know who it is. So if you don't know, turn to a friend. Um, because for discretionary purposes, I'm not going to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I did that last night on Facebook and quickly deleted it. Some of you caught it. I had a lot of messages when I woke up this morning. Being like, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. Um... So everything starts on Twitter. Lots of good things happen on Twitter. I got free Bon Jovi tickets once on Twitter. Nice. I thought that was a pretty good day. Um, so last night, uh, this, this person who has been, let me, let me preface this by saying, I've seen this person in concert 11 times, 10 times, since 1995, 1996, around there. So uh, if you were to ask me, oh, name your top five favorite bands, I'd be like, oh, well, hmm. Let's, let's call him, uh, Frank. <laughs> First name that came to my head. <laughs> it's super, super sexy rock star named Frank. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Francis. 
Francis. Francis. Yes, okay. Anyway, sorry, got a little distracted. Uh, Francis tweeted something yesterday um, that was talking about how he was in Toronto for a show and he was looking forward to having beer in a bathtub later that evening. I favorited that tweet along with 62 other people. So I also got a DM from this person, from Francis, thank you, um, that said, do you like beer in bathtubs? All replies go to Francis's email at francis.francis. <laughs> See me being so discretionary here, it's good. And I, yes, yes. And his own dot Francis. Um, so when I saw that when I saw this DM, I was like, that sounds like a promo tweet, like all replies go to. I'm not gonna bother with that. I'm tired. I went to bed at five thirty in the morning last night. I'm not I'm not worried about this. Later in the evening I got a little high. <laughs> a little high. And I was like, I'm gonna reply to this, because why not? So I sent an email that said, yes to beer, yes to bathtubs. Thinking, well, maybe I'll get a t-shirt. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm getting a t-shirt or like a coupon for a two-four or something. That, that's honestly all I was expecting. And then I got an email that said, I should probably have my phone, right? Because, I'm like the asshole who's up on stage looking at her phone. <laughs> but this part makes sense. Um, I got an email reply that was like, well, you should come here then. I'm like, okay, now Francis has just been hacked. Um, like, Francis, who I have been into since 1990-whatever, um, would not have just emailed me that. So we had a conversation a little bit back and forth, and I was like, I've been up since or I went to bed at 5.30 in the morning, if I'm gonna come and see you, I wanna be, you know, awake. Maybe another time. This was my brain being like, are you fucking kidding? No way. No, it's not, no, no. So we emailed back and forth a little bit, and he's like, that's cool, I'm in bed, have a great night. And then I'm like, oh shit, shit, I've lost my opportunity. I was talking to a friend online, and they were like, you, you get on that, you, you reply. So I sent another message, I was like, P.S., you wanna have brunch? brunch Francis not beer in a bathtub we have brunch <laughs> Benny's and <laughs> whatever still be still be um so no no to brunch but then there was one message that came in and this one really sealed it where I was like oh you haven't been hacked you are you are actually who you say you are so I have a website um, who doesn't have a website? <laughs> okay, guys, have you heard of the internet? Francis.Francis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Francis. So I have a website where um, I've been talking about my life and my relationship, my open relationship since like 2008. Um, and I guess the reason that he DM'd me in the first place was because he went to my website. 63 people favorited that tweet. I got, oh, the reason I message is because I found your site rather interesting, which would have been fun to sit in a bath and talk about. <laughs> there was a lot of what happening last night. Both Steph and I were like, Yeah, we were making a lot of sounds like a zoo. Um, it sounded like a zoo. That That is a good preface for later. Um, so we were just back and forth planning things and then there was the, the, the message that said okay plus I'm watching porn now so just 
so... And I'm like, well, fuck. Now I'm kicking myself even more for not replying earlier. Beer, bathtubs, and porn? That would have been so, so good. Just swing by for an hour. We're just going to sit here anyway. I'm tired too, and I won't be back this way for a long while. Sleep when you're dead, man. This is when I look at my husband, and I'm like, oh, can I go see Francis? I, I know it's like 12.45, but can I go? And I don't know. How do I? This is how I was talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I replied to him again, and I was like, how do, how do I know for sure that it's you? And he says, well, you can call me. This guy has a pretty recognizable voice, so I called him, Francis. Sorry, I keep saying that, because otherwise I'm going to say his actual name. <laughs> so hard. Um, and he answered the phone, and I was instantly like, oh, shit. You are that guy. I'm 15 again. Um, but I didn't do that. Instead, I was like, hey, man, how, how you doing? Thanks for the messages. It's really cool to talk to you. <laughs> Trying to be all like, I'm not fangirl. I'm, everything is great. And then we started talking about he and his wife and how they have sort of a pseudo-open relationship. Something we talked about... Um, I'm like, hey, you don't really know what I look like. He's like, no, yeah, I do. And we talked about how apparently big girls give big head, or good head. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we do. <laughs> and uh, so we hung up the phone. I got his um, alias for the hotel where he's staying at, so I know now his alias. So and it's not Francis. It's not Francis. <laughs> no, I, I was going to use his alias, and I was like, no, wait, that would violate things too. Um, and he, as soon as we hung up the phone, he called me right back. <laughs> this was weird. I look at my phone, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> okay, this is still going. Um, and I answer the phone, and he's like, hey, so I'm going to cut you a deal. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. What, what's the deal? He's like, do you have oil? I'm like, oil? Yeah, like massage oil. I'm like, yes, uh, okay. I'm, t I'm tired, I'm sore, I'll trade you one for one. I'm like, just, just can you bring some oil? I'm like, okay, cool, got it. Okay. So here I am trying to get dressed at one in the morning, and I look like death. Like, absolute death. Um, and I get dressed, and I'm driving, and I'm on the gardener, and I'm downing a Red Bull. I'm like, oh my god. And I get to the Royal York, and I book the valet under his name and room, and I, I felt like a prostitute <laughs> because they said to me how long are you going to be here for I'm like an hour <laughs> or two maybe I don't know and I was using the pronoun they because I didn't want to give it away I was like I'm just going to see some friends they and then the guy was like so uh, what room is he in I'm like oh you know <laughs> you know what's happening here I don't know but you know <laughs> Um, so I go up to the first floor. The first floor of the Royal York is where you can smoke, and he smokes. And it's also kind of like The Shining on the first floor. It's very creepy. Don't, don't stay there. <laughs> don't. It wasn't very good ambiance. Um, and he opens the door. <laughs> and, I mean, the man in the past few years has sort of gone from being the guy that I fantasized about when I was younger to, like, well, I like your music. <laughs> but, so many years to thank him for, so, and he was wearing sweatpants and like a t-shirt that didn't fit him, and I've got the phone and I'm ready to tell my husband that, you know, we're, it's, it's, 
it's good to go. And so he opens the door, and I'm like, hi, uh, hang on a sec. Yep, I'm alive, everything's fine. And we go, we sort of hug, and I'm just like, ah, hello, how are you? Um, we go into the, the suite. There, I see the bed and the bathroom and all that, and I'm like, oh, that's what a hotel room looks like. And we turn left, and I'm like, oh, look, here's 1,200 extra square feet. <laughs> because of course there is. Because you made $50,000 to play for an hour and a half today, so of course there is. Um, so we sit down on the couch, and I'm just trying so hard to not be a fangirl asshole. Like, hey, yeah, this is yeah, kind of, your room's kind of ugly. Because <laughs> it was. It was pretty ugly. And he's like, I always stay here. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of weird. He's like, yeah, it's kind of weird for me, too. 10, 15 minutes go by, and he's like, do you have the oil? I'm like, yes, I have that. I can do that. So we unfold the pull-out couch, because we don't want to get oil on the bed. And there is one of my most favorite musicians of all time dropping his pants and taking off his shirt naked. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still processing this. <laughs> and every time I tell someone, I'm like, wow. And then he lies, like he jumps on the bed and he lies face down with his naked ass up and his nuts in the little hole there. <laughs> and I just look and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And all I wanted to do was take a photo. <laughs> all I wanted to do. But my purse was like, just over where Steve's feet are. <laughs> and he wouldn't have noticed if it had been where my feet are. But Steve wasn't there. No, Steve wasn't there. It would have been off. I wouldn't have seen the damn thing. <laughs> um, so he turns around. He's like, well, you, you at least have to get topless. And I'm like, okay, we'll do that. I'm wearing a dress. So I, had to, I basically just took my... I was in my underwear. Um, and I get on my knees on the floor while... Well, his ass is there, and his legs, and he's naked, and he sings, and all of these things. Um, and then I have oil, and I'm like, what is happening? So then I remember the first, <laughs> the feeling of the first drop of oil on my hand, like, I don't think I'll ever forget that. And then you're like, yeah, that's your hairy leg. That's your butt. That's your butt. So I rubbed those legs for a while, and he was very grateful. Um, and then I started to move up, and he's like, you know, you can do anything you want to my ass. <laughs> oh, do you have any ginger? <laughs> so I just, I rubbed, I rubbed it for a while. And the whole time this is happening, we're having conversations about family, his kids, his work, sexuality, my work, just like life in general. Um, the thing that was really rad to me was that here is someone I've idolized for a really long time, and we were just talking like two humans. Like, he's a guy, and I'm a girl, and we're just naked and rubbing butts. <laughs> At one point, though, he's like, yeah, should I flip over now? And I'm like, no, 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 let's wait, because I really wasn't ready to see his face and his penis all in the same, same go. I wasn't ready for it. I'm like, I'm still dealing with this. So, no, not yet. We'll wait. Um, and then eventually, I'm like, okay, you could flip over now. I'm like, there it is. There's, there's your dick. And that's normally what I do in bed too. There it is. Da -da -da -da. Um, <laughs> there's some people who can verify in the room. Um, 
and there was his face and uh, so I just rubbed the legs and eventually we started talking about his balls and I'm like I don't <laughs> like they just kind of came up in conversation he's like ah oh, yeah you can rub them if you want um, and he said something like well, you know what, what is it like for you I, you don't have balls but do you like do you like the tongue <laughs> no I don't have balls he's like do you like the tongue or do you like the do you like the hand I'm like you're asking me, I think, because you want my tongue on your balls. I see what you're doing, Mr. Francis. <laughs> Give me five minutes. <laughs> um, so we're still talking about things, and eventually I was like, hey, I'm not going to get my massage, am I? And he's like, oh, we can make that happen. I'll just back up. So he backs up onto the couch, and then basically I ended up giving my most favorite rock star a hand job and a blow job and then we just hung around and talked about, you know, life for a while. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, you can applaud that. Yep. And, and at one point we were talking about the fact that I didn't get my massage and, and he was very respectful. He wasn't like, he sounds like a super old perv, but he wasn't. Like he was like totally respectful about the whole situation. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, but like, thank you. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Thank you for helping me with all of my teenage angst. Like, <laughs> you helped me for years, literally years. Um, so we hung on a little bit longer until it was like around quarter to four. And he's like, I got to stop talking because my voice, my voice hurts. I need my voice. And I'm like, right, singing, all that, that whole celebrity thing. D, I mean, D-list maybe. Um, <laughs> Hey, he was a really nice guy, and I'll see him again, but, like, let's be honest. <laughs> um, for those of you who know who Francis is. Um, okay, B, I don't know. I don't know how to rate people in Canada. I think, like, people in Canada automatically get, like, a start at B anyway. Okay, maybe not D. D's a bit of a like Joan Rivers is a D, so yeah. There was some D. There was definitely D in and around um, the face. So we we talked a little bit more, and I'm like, "Do you want me to go?" Like I should, and he's like, "Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we're probably kind of tired." And I'm like, "Yeah." So as we're walking out, he's like, "Would you make sure that you um, email me? Keep in touch." email me whenever you write something because I want to read you know the stuff that you write about because I think it's really interesting I'm like okay really he's like yeah well, of course why not I'm like okay still not recognizing well there was cum in my hair probably <laughs> still being like don't know how to process but you want to read my website well I just you know talk about oh no a boy stood me up wow sure I'll send that to you um and then he's like, but just obviously, oh, I said, so obviously I'm not going to write about you. And he's like, yeah, obviously. And that was the whole entire conversation that we had about discretion. Like, he just trusted me enough to just come over. Um, that's really my whole story. <laughs> that's about it. If I had told the story about the first time I would have sucked a dick, um, there would have been a prop. So, I'll save it. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh my god. How do I follow that? I don't think I can. See, this, this, this show turned into a different show than when I first planned it. And that's a good thing. Um, 
Yes, uh, if you enjoyed the very interesting show that this has been tonight, everything from everything from weddings to strippers to sex to straight jackets, uh, we have I have a uh, very fancy Cowboys and Aliens Seven Eleven cup. Uh, this is a, this, like Justin said. This is definitely a pay what you want uh, type affair. Uh, but if you feel like you want to be able to give, so I can be able to actually pay the people that actually came to and told stories to you tonight, uh, that would be very welcome. Uh, again, I actually do have albums of uh, Two Way for Thirty. If you want to be able to buy that as well. Uh, anyway, I want to like, let's give a round of applause to everybody who came tonight. Uh, I want to personally thank everyone who did uh, came here, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this is uh, this is a dream come true for me, is to be able to sort of do a show like this. I've always wanted to perform on stage, and this is amazing. I get to do this in front of friends, and uh, I thank you all uh, immensely. So this will be a, a regular thing. Uh, come by, come find, go to blindalbino.ca to find out for the next one. If the next one works out the way I planned it with the guests I have involved. Let's just say, I only tease it by saying it's someone who's going to be a guest at Fan Expo. So, and it'll probably be Fan Expo weekend is the is the weekend that we're going to do it. So please come out to that if you can. Uh, Blindalbino.ca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you so much. As always, I remain obedient to yours. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Now drink and have food because the the bar is amazing. So, yes. Take it off. <laughs> no. <laughs>